people that are like really inspired by your story. Like, wow, you actually dared to quit your job or you moved across the country, holy smokes. Or how would you even decide to build your own home? So little things like that, I think, kind of inspires hope or maybe even open the possibility for people, open that up that maybe they could do something brave as well. Like, oh, okay. Welcome to Her Drive Podcast, a female-focused interview series with women of the world discussing their road trips to success. I'm your host, Cindy Kramblatt, a travel expert, business owner, and curious spirit with a knack for meeting fascinating women. Please join me as I hop in the passenger seat and chat with these ambitious women about what drives them, twists and turns, and those pedal-to-the-metal moments. Let's drive. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Her Drive Podcast. I am really excited for this interview with Amy Hager. Um, I actually had the honor of meeting her last year. I think it was last year, maybe two years ago in Denver. At um, There was um, uh, a, a series of craftspeople out in downtown Denver selling their wares, and I couldn't help but be drawn in to Amy's display. She was and still does um had this beautiful display of very unique jewelry um made from honeycombs and i'll let her explain more of the process but whenever i reconnect with her her um about a week ago she had liked a photo and i was wearing a piece of jewelry that i bought when i met her and this jewelry is very special to me amy because i bought it for myself as an i love me slash birthday gift um so Thank you very much for creating such a unique piece and welcome to the show. Oh, Cindy, thank you so much. And I'm so glad that the piece resonated with you because to me, that's what drives me to create that kind of jewelry. Like it definitely has a significance for me as a beekeeper. And so I thought it, I just became fascinated with the shape and there's definitely something very, I don't know, symbolic or almost even spiritual about the hexagon symbol. And I just got really fascinated with that. And I thought, there's got to be a way to make this into jewelry. You know, not just like spray paint it or something, but like cast this, how can you make this into something that would be a lifetime piece? So I put myself on a quest to try to find out how can I take some classes? How can I up my skills and try to troubleshoot this to be able to make my vision come true? And several classes later, uh, try a lot of trials and failures, but I stumbled upon the form, the art form of electroforming, which is where you you kind of plate something with copper or any other metal. It's like when you say you're doing gold plating of a penny or a coin, except instead of 30 seconds of work, it takes about 30 hours almost like to do multiple pieces. So I would say each piece takes about a week to make to completion. So it's, it's definitely, you know, like, like you said, you kind of get drawn into it because it's very unusual looking, but then at the same time, it's very, um, kind of organic and very nature spirit at the same time. And if you had that sort of um, resonance with the bee, like some people are just really drawn towards the bee or towards that hexagon shape. And that kind of is what draws them in. Well, Amy, I recall talking with you about the amount of time that it makes to take your pieces. And you're not just, you know, I'm not a jewelry maker, so excuse me for not getting the, the vernacular right, but plating um, the honeycomb and, and the metals, but uh, you're as- also adding in um, gemstones and other really, uh, you know, beautiful 
details to um, to your jewelry. But it seems like based on you know what I have read about you since we've reconnected and really diving into your life, you are someone who is extremely dynamic. You've written books. You were or I guess you still are a dietitian um, by training. You said you were a beekeeper. Like I'm just so fascinated by your story and would love to know like uh, if we could kind of hit reverse a little bit in your life and really start out of like what was the genesis of you, you know, getting into bees, which ultimately led to where you are now. And like how, how do you tell people your story? <laughs> it is kind of a, a weaving story, I suppose, when you think about it, because it's definitely not linear. I, I guess if you followed a line, you know, I went to college for and studied nutrition and dietetics and was lucky after school that I was able to find because kind of stumble into a career path. But I was really interested in wellness. So I kind of focused my interests there. And so I, you know, it was really trying to, I want to say climb the corporate ladder, but really try to keep upping my skills in the areas. And I got some specialized training and eventually, you know, I kind of, I kept, I say achieving my goals. Like I kept working at the jobs I wanted to work at. And I felt like I had kind of come to the peak of like what I wanted out of my career, except one thing I hadn't done yet, which was have my own business. So I thought, how could I, how could I do this? You know, how could I work for myself? Because underneath it all, after working a salary job and like having a commute and all of that, I thought I'd love to have more free time because clearly I have a lot of interests and I like to explore and I really like to delve into things. And I hated that feeling of like having to be stuck in a 40 hour work week and I only have my free time be to the weekends. And so I I started looking in that area of self-employment and I talked to some other dietitians in the area and they really encouraged me. So I kind of had to figure out for myself because there wasn't really a how-to book on how to go ahead and start your own nutrition practice. So after I kind of bridged that gap and made that leap into starting my own business, I decided to write a book about my experience because there there wasn't a book out there. I I thought there really needs to be a solid resource, not just the how-to, but like what's the experience like of going out on your own? So I, you know, and it, it happened really fast. I wrote a book on nutrition called Nutritionist in Private Practice. It was the lessons learned from my first year in business, like really don't have a business mindset. So I was really trying to figure out, you know, all of those variables and just just kind of giving people a glimpse of what it's like in the life of someone who's trying to be an entrepreneur. So back in my mind at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, me and my husband have this dream of like moving out west and living in the mountains. And wouldn't it be great if I could have a location, independent, you know, open schedule type of job. So I tried to develop more online stuff. Like I tried to develop a more online aspect to my nutrition practice. But what I found, and this is where it connects to the jewelry, when I had more free time, I found myself wanting to spend more time in creative pursuits rather than like optimize my business. So kind of, I wouldn't say I failed myself in a way, like I didn't really have my business set up for online only when by the time that we ended up moving. But I, in another way, I gave myself permission to go be creative. I was like, this is your life. You've got all of the time. You, you're the boss now of your schedule. You can spend it how you want. So I had dis- recently had discovered the hobby of beekeeping. And I wish there was a really interesting story of like how I got into it. But I had just heard of some friends doing it and I just thought it was cool. So I thought, I'll take a class. And 
that's kind of how things start with me. I just take a class and it keeps going from there. But <laughs> so I end up, um, you know, I spend more time learning about, you know, beekeeping and get, getting um, better skills in that department. But then I think, you know, some of the inspiration I got from the bees, I was making, you know, I made jewelry in the past, like for my sister's weddings and things like that. But I thought, well, it would be fun to make some arts and crafts from all this beeswax. And I was making lip balms and soaps and selling those at craft shows because that's what people did. And then I thought, you know, once I was selling, I started making some jewelry that had the bee theme. I thought, well, this would be really cool to, to get better at because I was, I really like working with my hands. So that's what I found. I guess that's what I learned about myself is that I really enjoy the meditative practice of just focusing on making things with my hands. So I thought this is kind of giving me more balance in life. I'm not go, 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 you know, trying to get to work, being in the car two hours a day, sitting in front of a desk all the time. Um, it just started to show me different aspects of life that I could enhance. And I think being having a creative outlet and having some meditative focus time um, was just, I don't know, bringing me up. It was giving me more joy. So I thought, okay, maybe if I'm not, developing a nutrition business, I'm developing this like creative pursuit. And there's just maybe there is a businesswoman inside of me that just wants to be an entrepreneur. So I figure out how to monetize things. <laughs> but um, so I, I started doing that a little bit more. And eventually the time came, me and my husband had been looking for properties out in Colorado, we found our dream property, and we we moved last year. And at the time, you know, I had developed my jewelry business enough that I thought, okay, I know what my brand looks like. I know what styles people prefer. I just signed up for a lot of different art shows and it, I got a really great reception here. And I was like, wow, this is, this could be sustainable. Like this is what a surprise. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that is kind of like the story of, you know, how I kind of started in nutrition, but then worked towards more of a creative path. But I still, you know, I listen to sort of, you know, those little inklings of like, what do you really want? You know, like, do you really want to keep working at this nutrition job? Or do you want to keep working this business angle? Or do you want to just take a break from it and maybe come back later? And that's kind of where I'm at right now is that I still have my credentials. And I'm thinking, you know, it's still there. I might have some other permutation of of doing that kind of work in the future. But right now I'm just enjoying the ride, you know, during this kind of, I would say it's a break in life because I've worked pretty hard. I've gotten, you know, gone to school and been really busy and developed websites and books and all that. And it's like, okay, I'm just really enjoying the downtime now, just trying to spend more time making jewelry and enjoying those days where you just kind of get to sit around and have other people enjoy it. <laughs> Well, I certainly enjoy your craft. And um, so you and your husband have created a YouTube channel. And I would love to know, you know, in addition to BeHappyLife.com and your jewelry and your nutrition, what is your YouTube channel? If you could tell the listeners and like, what are you doing with this channel? Because I've watched your videos, uh, quite a few of them, and have been thoroughly entertained and definitely learned quite a few things. <laughs> well, so here's that little entrepreneur side of me. I always have to turn something into like an event or an, I don't know if like an expose, but I love, I guess I really love show and tell as a kid. I love to talk about what I'm doing. I love to share. I mean, I, I am an educator at heart. So I like to tell people about my journey. So 
one of the big things that we've, you know, since we've been married, we've been married seven years, we've always kind of had this dream of living out in the mountains. And it's, you know, like most dreams, it takes a long time to see those come to fruition. And it's a lot of hard work and a lot of saving money and preparing. And so when it finally happened, we finally moved out here. I'm like, you know, we're doing this big thing. We're going to build our own home. And our channel is called Colorado Mountain Living. So just to kind of give you a taste of what it's like out in the mountains of Colorado, you know, a young couple moves out out west to try to start their life. And, you know, we've, we're both kind of like from a healthcare background. So it's like we're changing gears to becoming DIY home builders. And not just like any home, we're building a timber frame home. So there's another element of complexity when it comes to hand cutting and hewing and joining together your timbers and so, and then we're in the mountains. So you've got a lot of really wacky weather, like it can snow in October, it can snow in May. So we've got high winds up here. So there's a lot of fun, little unexpected elements of challenge that we're battling in our home build. And it's, it's kind of fun to share the journey because I knew that, I think, you know, people kind of appreciate seeing some other folks go out and try to make their dreams come true. It's like, it's not always butterflies and roses sometimes, you know, you're like, I ran out of money or. Right. Like you have or, to get, sometimes get stung to get the honey, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> so it is, it's like, you know, there's, there's that little sweet spot in life, but then, you know, there's definitely the things you have to go through with that hard work and labor of like that artisan lifestyle. And so that's what I'm trying to capture is to show folks like, okay, here's like an unfiltered edited version of what, you know, we're trying to, you know, like you've got the HGTV version, but then this is like sort of the rough version of a couple people trying to make their dreams come true. And part of it, I think for both me and my husband, we have that artisan spirit where we really like to do things ourselves. We really like, we enjoy the process of the labor and it can be completely exhausting because my husband's still working a full-time job with a one-hour commute now. So he's trying to squeeze that in building a home in between a regular full-time job. And it, it can definitely wear on you. So, But there's definitely, I was going to go back to the this artisan spirit. And I'm actually in the process of writing book number two called The Artisan Spirit about just trying to you know, what is it that drives us to create? And what is it drive, that drives us to create things that are meaningful and with our own hands? Like there's something about that process that I think that connects humans to sort of a personal meaning in life. And it's just, it's fascinating to me. And, you know, it's, you know, we could, we could have paid someone to do it all, but it's like more special. It's more, um, there's a little bit more pride when you're doing the work yourself. It's like the blood, sweat and tears aspect. So but that, yeah, so it's, we're documenting our journey on YouTube and it's even the YouTube business is kind of <laughs> interesting. So we have a friend that's kind of been a guide to us who's has a channel that's sort of blossomed in the past year. And he's kind of, you know, told us a little bit about um, how to navigate the world of making videos and, and things like that. So that's been helpful, but it's nice because we'll have, a um, you know, the way that a lot of social media is now you've got sort of this, this footprint and this archive of your experience and it's online and a lot of people could, anyone can look at it, but it's also for us as well. It's like, Oh, what a great way to make a memory. Cause what a time, you know, it's like, whew. I definitely agree with you, Amy, that there is something very meditative and I would say primal about using our hands to create. If you go back to, you know, look paleolithic humans and 
even leading up to the uh, first industrial revolution, we've always been using our hands. And now that we've moved into this more screen-based space um, and everyone's spending their days working away, um, creating it in a totally different way, um, I, I definitely think as far as like my personal journey that I do find working with my hands to be, uh, it's relaxing, it's soothing. And I make um, just like hair bows out of fish leather and I love it. And it's just my own personal way of, of reconnecting with my hands. So, you know, kind of going back to you and your husband and, um, you know, sharing on your YouTube channel what the both of you are doing. I mean, you are definitely creating, whether you know this or not, I'm sure you do, but you're creating a legacy for both yourself and your husband. And I'm just curious, like, what do you think, like, your road trip of life, when it comes to an end, looking back, what do you hope that your legacy looks like? Oh, I love that question. That is so cool to think about. Well, you know, um, I think creating, sharing information is really important and sharing experience is important as well. So I think we're, we're curating a story, we're documenting our experience and we're putting it out there to the world for other people to kind of be inspired. Like I, I hope that folks could maybe see that as inspiring and maybe some, sometimes the experience you get with YouTube is that you get a lot of critics and you get a lot of judging, but at the other time, at the other hand, you've, get other people that are like really inspired by your story. Like, wow, you actually dared to quit your job or you moved across the country. Holy smokes. Or how would you even decide to build your own home? So little things like that, I think kind of inspires hope or maybe even open the possibility for people, open that up that maybe they could do something brave as well. Like, Oh, okay. Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't um, feeling confident or maybe um, whatever their barriers might be just to kind of cease, you know, just a hardworking couple like working together. And it's definitely hard, you know, it's even hard on a relationship sometimes when you're, when you're really laboring a lot. But um, um, I think, yeah, but, um, to get back to your, your question about um, legacy, I think being able to share experience and information and just that inspiration of hope is what I hope to put out into the world. Well, as an outsider looking at you, I definitely think that you are inspiring um, and, and on so many different levels. And I'm curious, you know, as someone who has been, I, you're very dynamic, as you know, um, and you, you, I feel like you follow your curiosity and you really listen to that inner voice. Like, but what have been the lessons, the most critical lessons that you've learned by following your own intuition? I think the, the biggest thing that surprised me um, as, fall, as far as like following intuition and following my gut is even though I wasn't 100% sure on what was going to happen next, it's like I got the support. Like the support showed up after I decided. So it was almost like as if you're, you know, taking a step without a safety net, but then the safety net sort of appears later. You're like, oh, wow, now I have all these extra resources I didn't know that I had until I'd made the decision to go take it forward. So that's kind of been the surprising thing is that you almost have to like be brave and do it. And then you get rewarded with extra help, <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. But I'm so pragmatic sometimes, like especially with finances, like I did not quit my job and just like start working for myself. I 
went down to part-time. I worked even like 10 hours a week for an entire month because I just wanted to be extra sure. So I'm now that some people's style is to really just jump right in, but I'm a lot more pragmatic when it comes to, when it comes to finances. So I, as far as the job thing, I definitely uh, eased into that transition. And are you now just making, like, are you just making an income off of like being an artisan or are you still uh, practicing as a dietitian? Right now I'm just doing the jewelry. Although I am a little bit interested in maybe picking up some part-time work or some work from home opportunity. So I've kind of been looking into that as a dietitian because I, I do miss it a little bit after a year of being, of not you know working in that area. I thought, oh, that was kind of a quick career. Like <laughs> it's only been like 12 years <laughs> since school. So I was like, oh, I think I need to, I, I think I'd like to see what else there is. And there's, of course, there's a lot of opportunity for working virtually and because I'm not interested in commuting to work. That's kind of the big thing up in the mountains here. Everything is about an hour away. So I, I looked into some more local community ideas, like maybe teaching classes at our community center. Um, but I think uh, maybe a virtual opportunity would be, I welcome that. So, cause it's a little bit slow in the winter time in the winter's kind of long hair. So you can only make so much jewelry. And I, I don't really see my jewelry business as becoming like a worldwide brand. I, I don't really have an interest in uh, hiring employees or doing anything like that. I just, I enjoy the creative process and I don't want it to become like a job, like a production job. I think that would take the joy out of it for me. So I want to have a balance there. Yeah. I, I love that because I, I think, uh, you know, I'm going through a course right now and it's about it's an entrepreneur's course, but it's about scalability. And one of the questions is, how big do you want your business to be, and what arms do you want it? To, what arms do you want it to grow? And like with beekeeping, I mean, I watched one of your videos about how you ultimately got to making jewelry. And first, you were, you know, selling the honey. And I love this video because you really explained to the viewer how you got to where you are through all the different processes and how you. Uh, you know, figured out what was going to be the best use of the honey or the, the beeswax or whatever. Um, and um, I guess I've kind of lost my train of thought here, but essentially uh, you could, you could go so many different avenues. Like if you, I don't know much about beekeeping, but if you added more hives, you know, I don't know how many hives it takes to make a large scale production of honey or to make mead or to make candles or, or lotion bars. But I mean, you truly could, make it, you know, bees buzzing everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yep. A <laughs> hundred hives or something like yeah. that. And I, I, I pictured that and I thought, is that me? Is that the me that I see for myself? And I was like, I don't see that for me. I love bees, but I don't love a hundred hives worth of bees. <laughs> so I think those are the kind of questions that it's important to ask yourself. It's like, you know, when you get into an interest is how far do I want to take this? And like the work, what is the work involved? And when I see myself at that level, am I having fun? Cause I always kind of, kind of come back to that question is this is fun. Cause I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know if it's childish or it's just one of my values. Like I just really enjoy having fun. And if it's not fun anymore, then why am I doing it? It's like that Ben and Jerry's saying, I think if it's not fun, why do it? So I really enjoy the fun aspect of working, you know, of being a dietitian, the fun aspect of jewelry making, the fun aspect of YouTubing. But, you know, I've got some friends that YouTube every single day and I think, I don't know if that would be fun for me. So for me, I really have to know my own personal balance. And that's 
kind of, it's a, con- a continual learning process because it can change. I think that's so beautiful and really, once again, very inspiring because so many of us don't really, oh, so many of us do not ask um, ourselves what we truly want. And we look at societal pressures as what we should be doing. Um, And not everybody has to be like the Burt's Bees of the world or, you know, you think of, you know, you know, any type of large scale um, craft that was small scale and then went, you know, corporate. Um, And I I just watched this um, documentary on Burt's Bees and he, you know, in the beginning, he's very curmudgeon and like talking about how he has to be the face of this large company. And he really just wanted to make like a, like a fun product. So I, you know, admire your honesty um, because I don't know that all of us would be able to be that honest with ourselves. It's, it's, um, I think it takes like a continual reflection, self-reflection of like, is this what I want? Is this what I want? And cause I, like I said, I think your answer can change even what you decide you, what do I want to be in my life or what do I want to do with my life? That can change from year to year. Even it just kind of depends on your own growth process and where, you know, like where your heart is and being willing to check in on that is, is going to be your best direction. I think And a funny aside one time when this was way before I was interested in bees and before I moved out of, um, I think I was in college maybe. And I ran into Bert from Bert's bees on church street in Burlington. (laughs) That's where I went to college. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's Bert. He looks just like the picture. (laughs) So anyway, he looked exactly like that. I was like, wow. That's so so funny. It was like a little omen for my future. (laughs) (laughs) Most definitely. That's, that's so funny. Well, I'm curious about, you know, you seem very self-aware and self-reflective. Do you have a, like a daily ritual or weekly or monthly? Like, how do you check in with yourself to set yourself up for success in in whatever way you define it? Well, I think my, my biggest routine ritual in life is going to the gym. And it kind of sounds like, Oh boy, that's, Where's the magic in that? Oh, no, no, sister. I know. I, no. Trust me. <laughs> I have to but, do daily, uh, something physical daily. <laughs> yeah. And and maybe, you know, I, I as a kind of lifetime wellness health professional, like I've always believed in the recommendation of regular physical activity and healthy eating. But when I actually truly went experience, you know, that for myself, I felt the difference. It's you can make the recommendation and have the knowledge, but when you actually experience the difference of, of daily you know, exercise and it, it's not always at the gym. I mean, I enjoy weightlifting and strength training a lot, but you know, lately I've been taking my dog out for hikes in the back trails and that's been great. And that and nature is a whole nother aspect of kind of getting that, um, that serene setting to kind of let the thoughts settle. And so that's a nice environment for me as well as being out. And, and now, you know, on our property, I look out and it's just green trees and mountains everywhere. So I kind of feel really lucky that I'm, I've created these surroundings for myself because before I was in an urban setting before we moved to Colorado. Um, but yeah, I would say daily starting and I like to go in the morning. So I, I will get up and have my breakfast. I have a cup of tea every morning. So that's kind of my, my slow start to the day. And I'm also a list maker. So I have it's not necessarily a bullet journal, but it's kind of like a bullet list of the things I want to get done. And in certain times of the year, I'll kind of write down some goals, what I want to get done for the summer or maybe for the whole year. So I'll, I always check in. I, and I actually, I probably have five 
different notebooks, of different lists. So I track my money in one. I track my, my to-do list in another. I track my beekeeping notes in another, my gardening notes. Um, so I'm a definitely, I've got a lot of notebooks. Every time I go to TJ Maxx, I'm always looking through their stationery because I'm trying to get more notebooks. But I'd say between the, um, the activity, physical activity, uh, keeping lists, and in general, healthy eating, because I can tell by going off track for a while, like uh, we had family visit this summer for about a month and I was just eating whatever, whenever having maybe too much alcohol. And I was just, you know, the energy starts to get sluggish and then I don't feel my best. And then I feel like eh, you could be doing better. You know how. So I always grab a friend and be like, Hey, you want to do like a, a food reset or something? We'll just be accountability partners for a week and then we'll kind of get back on track. So I guess those are my secrets to success. <laughs> Well, I love the idea of upgrading and, you know, choosing words. And I do that for each month. Like I create a theme for the month and sometimes it's one word, sometimes it's two or like a really short phrase. And then it becomes like the mantra of the month. And I really notice a trend and I love the idea of kind of setting um, a tone for the year. And are you noticing at the end of the year um, that you've kind of succeeded in whatever it was that you envisioned? The thing that's the most powerful for me when I when I make them are vision boards. So yes, with the with like the words and the tones for the year, like I kind of use it as a guide. Like it just seems like that's where my my energy is. Like upgrade. Oh, I really feel that this year. Next year might be something different. But when I actually see things manifest, like the changes or whatever's coming into my life, it usually is a product of vision boards. Like one year, and it might have been a few years after it happened. But I'd made one and it was the year before I met my husband, but it had things on it like the man, you know, had like a man on it. He was, oh. it had me working um, as a dietitian. It had two children, a girl and a boy. And my husband had ch- children when we got married. So I like inherited two step, step kids. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like everything on the board came true within a few years. So kind of spooky, but amazing at the same time. And so that's why we keep, me and my girlfriends keep it as a t- tradition every year because we just, really believe in the power of that vision. That's magical. I think I need to do that so I can get some, some love in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you wish for. Cause Oh boy. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Amy, I'm super honored to uh, have had you on this show. I do want to ask you just a few more questions um, about being um, a female and, and specifically like, what do you love about being a female and specifically being a female in America? Oh my goodness. I feel like there's so much uh, opportunity and potential for women to be whatever they want to be now, especially in this time period. Like it, the world is wide open. We live in a creative economy and there's so much like, connection. Like we're connecting through technology. Like this kind of stuff wasn't available 50 years ago. And so we're, we're able to connect in community in different groups. One group that I had gotten into was a uh, a book club with a couple of girlfriends. Well, they're girlfriends now, but we were strangers when we met. And bec- and I think we were doing one of Danielle Laporte's uh, Desire Map books. And you can maybe link to that, but it's a really fascinating book about kind of picking the keywords that sort of drive your, that's driving your energy. And after we did that book club, it was like I had girlfriends for life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you just find that, you know, I think as a woman in America, you have these great opportunities to um, really connect and support each other because as much as social media wants you to believe that we're all in competition and we're 
um, doing selfies all the time. I, that's a, I feel just a small fraction of what women are really accomplishing now. And we can lift each other up and, you know, and support each other and, and share each other's um, journeys. And I think that's the connection of girlfriends and being a woman is, that's what I take home from it because it's, um, it's definitely helped me. It's definitely helped me. Yeah. That's magical. And I used to feel like I needed to compete with other women. And now all I want to do is connect with them and, and share their stories. And that's kind of what her drive is about. And in the celebration of being individuals, I would love to know, like, what are you celebrating? What are you tooting your horn about right now? Well, I think it seems like I've kind of gotten over the fear of going after things. So you might, it might not be believable since I've done so many different things, but I've always kind of held back um, in my life, like on making those decisions. And I think it was from overcoming things that I thought were impossible. Like the first time I ever ran a marathon, I was like, I always thought of that as an impossible thing. Like that's an impossible thing. And then when I did one, I, I, I thought I just did an impossible thing. So it changed how I thought about myself. And so when I quit my job, like, and you know, I, I didn't really like my career, but when I started working for myself, it seemed like an impossible thing. I'm like, how do people do this? It seems like an impossible thing for me. But then when I did it, I'm like, I, I think I could do anything that I wanted to do. Anything that I want, I might be able to do that. So I think that's kind of where, if I was to toot my horn about something, it's like, I've been able to go after things and not in a perfect way, but really go after things in a less fearful way and achieve them. Well, thank you, Amy of Be Happy Life for sharing your story with us today. I would love if you could please share with everyone where they might best find you and follow you, not only to buy your jewelry, maybe, um, you know, follow your YouTube channel, wherever, however you want to share and, and let people find you. <laughs> sure. is, And I can't tell if you can hear me because you were cutting out a little bit, but it oh. looks like my recording's going, so okay. I'll just go with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... On Instagram, you can find my uh, jewelry under Be Happy Life, and that's B-E-E, -E, Happy Life, as in the honeybee. So that's my handle on Instagram. And that's where I post a lot of the jewelry stuff and things about bees. And then my current journey on YouTube is Colorado Mountain Living is the name of the YouTube channel. And I'm documenting the process of transitioning to life in the mountains over 9,000 feet, building a home, trying to create our dreams as a, as a husband and wife. I also have a website called BeHappyLife.com, B-E-E-HappyLife.com. Uh, -E -E, and I, I've got um, sort of more of an archive of some of the things I've done in the past with, with nutrition and podcasting and as other links to the YouTube channel. But I might still keep that updated as well. You can also find the jewelry store on that website as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Amy. I hope to connect with you in person again the next time I'm out in Colorado. It sounds great, Cindy. I think, thank you so much for having me on the show. I think it's fantastic. I love to know that other women are out there sharing each other's stories, lifting each other up. And I was really grateful to be part of the experience. Well, thank you. Have a really great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to Her Drive with Cindy Cramblatt. If you want to know more about today's guest or know a fascinating woman you'd love for me to interview, please see the show notes, visit Instagram or her-drive.com. And please, 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 if you love the show, leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for riding along and subscribe to join our next woman and her drive to success.